All right, let's rip in. I'm super excited for this one. This is going to be probably one of the most, my most enjoyable podcast this year. This one's a story from literally a, a gentleman who had testicular cancer yeah. at the age of 22 and 23, 23 yeah. and has now gone on to write 6.2 million GCI with his mum as a lead agent as well, Jen Carr, who we've also had on the podcast. Uh, mate, that's an incredible story. And you're only now, what, 27 years old? Just Yeah, just turned 27. Just turned 27. Yeah. yeah. And you're just, you're killing it. Trying to. <laughs> but, um, mate, today I want to, I really want to draw this back because that's an incredible story to have gone through such adversity mm. and still be a high-performing agent and a new dad as well, mate. I'm sure yeah. there's plenty of, plenty of golden nuggets we can un- yeah. uncover today. So, mate, I want to kick it off. Can you give us a bit of a breakdown in terms of business today, a bit about the setup structure because I'm sure everyone would be pretty interested to know how you do yeah. such large numbers working with your mum. So I've got a, a pretty sort of unique situation, I guess. Um, obviously, family business, been in business for over 30 years now. Um, Louis Carr, William Carr, Jennifer Carr, so we've got the name. Um, so I grew up obviously in a real estate family. Um, finished school, went to uni for a bit and then thought, stuff it. I may as well give it a shot. What did you do um, at uni? I just did commerce at Macquarie. Oh, yeah. yeah. So did yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> Way Standard time, degree. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started when I was 18 um, <clears throat> working with mum and then we've sort of built it up to now. It was just the two of us back then, ten, just over 10 years ago. Um, and now we've got a team of five plus admin. Um, so we sort of... Obviously, you know, we operate in West Penn and Hills and we just work together um, as a team. And then we've got the three assistants that, you know, work with us. So, Unreal. yeah. So what's, um, how, how did you, with your core area, was it always West Penn and Hills or how did that happen? Like, yeah. So. Because you're like 60% market share. Just, yeah. And it varies from, yeah, 50 to 60%. So company started in 1992 in West Penn and Hills. Um <laughs> We sort of then went on to establish a few more offices throughout the Hills area. Yeah. But our core area has predominantly been West Penn and Hills. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And will you take neighbouring suburbs as well? Yeah, so we've obviously got Cherrybrook office, um, which is based at Oak Hill and Castle Hill, and then we've got an office in Castle Hill. Um, we predominantly do West Penn and Hills, but obviously if we've got clients or, or appraisers in surrounding areas, we can sell anywhere basically. So mate, um, I, I want to get down to the nuts and the bolts of it now. So how, how, how does somebody go? So what was, I think, so two, 6.2 million, how did you go about writing such large numbers? Like how does that happen? It was madness at the time. I think we, I think that year it was 140 something sales. 140? yeah. So that was probably 2021, that was when the market was booming. So the good thing obviously then was that, you know, you'd put a for sale sign up and almost every house would sell within a four week period. So it was a lot easier to, to do that sort of volume when mm. things were selling quickly. Um, I think again, it just comes down to the name, the market share that we have. You know, I was lucky, I started real estate as an 18 year old um, that, you know, as soon as I said my name was William Carr, everyone in the area already knew who I was and who the company was. So I didn't have to go out there and sort of start from scratch. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the, I mean, obviously working with my mum, you know, she's been doing it for nearly 40 years. So we're a good team. We sort of bounce off each other. So I think with our setup, 
you know, if you took one of us out of the equation, well, you know, we're not going to be doing anything near what we've sort of been doing. Mm. So um, even I think, I think the year before I got diagnosed, I think we probably just, I think we just did under two mil. So we really sort of, you know, took off. Wow. Yeah. So from 20, around 23, you were doing around 2 million? Uh, yeah. So what year that, that would have been probably 2018. Wow. So from 2018 yeah. to 2021, you've About grown. Two years. You've yeah, three times yeah. pretty much the business. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, the, I mean, the market went up significantly as well. And we probably, mm. prices probably went up 40%. And that's a good thing with real estate. You know, if you can maintain your fee um, as prices go up, well, you know, so does your commission. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mate, that's huge. I mean, how, how was that, I guess, process for you? Fucking, that's a huge, of, mate. That's huge. Like going from... 22 23 yeah. figuring out or finding out you've had this yeah. huge I, I guess cancer yeah. how, how did you handle that situation oh, it's all, all a bit of a blur now i mean it was nearly what was it nearly nearly five years ago four to five wow. years ago oh it was just surreal like to hear those words you're like it probably took me a couple of weeks i'd wake up in the morning and think to myself is this is this real is this really happening you know, um, but yeah, it was just as a healthy 22, 23 year old, you know, you, you never expect it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any signs of like, um, so I had for a few months, I had a little bit of back pain. So the tumor, I just had a tumor in my abdomen area, um, which was the size of a grapefruit. Wow. <laughs> um, it was quite large. And probably for a few months, I was sort of having, I'd get pain in my lower part of the back, um, but I was going to the gym and stuff and I just put it down to that. Um, I went to the chiropractor a few times and he just said, you know, you've got back pain from going to the gym and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I did have some signs for a little bit, um, but then what really sort of prompted me to go and get it properly checked out was one day I had sort of a pain in the lower part of my abdomen at the front here. And I just assumed it was an appendicitis because it was really? in that sort of region. Yeah. So I, um, I went into the hospital, Hornsby hospital emergency and they, um, they thought it was that as well. And then they did a couple of scans and an ultrasound. And I remember the doctor came in and said, Oh, you've got a 10 centimeter mass in your abdomen. We don't know exactly what it is, but we obviously need to do further tests. So. That's how I found out. <laughs> Mate, that's so I long. still remember the, the lady that was doing the ultrasound. She was sort of looking and they were looking for my appendix and they couldn't find the appendix. So they sort of moved to a different area. And then I just saw her face. She was like, oh shit. And then she called her senior in or whatever. Fuck. And that's when I knew that something was up. <laughs> wow. And then what, how did you, then when you found out, what was that process like? Um, well, initially... They sort of thought it was, so the, the type of cancer that it was, it was a form of testicular cancer, but it was a bit unique because it wasn't in my testicles, it was just in my abdomen area. So because it was quite strange, they initially thought it was a different type of cancer and the type of cancer that they thought it was was probably one of the worst types of cancer that you can get. So I was booked in a few days after for quite a major operation, um, which was cancelled in the end when they got some blood results back and found out it was this different type of cancer. Um, so at the time, the doctor sort of said to me, oh, it's not what we thought it was. 
it's a more treatable type, but you're going to have to have three months of chemotherapy. Three months? Three months, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. And I remember you showed, we've got some photos we'll put up as yeah. well. The difference in your physique yeah. is like chalk and cheese. Oh. What, how much, what was your weight before and after? I think before I was probably 90, probably close to 95, 94 kilos. And then I think in three months I lost about 10 kilos and it was all whatever muscle I had, lost all of that, put on fat. Your body literally almost oh, yeah. started again. Yeah. That's, mate, that just, that's right. You just, you lose all, all energy. Like it was, it was quite intensive chemo. So I had to go in, you know, every day for a week for 10 hours. Um, wow. And doing it for that period of time, I've, people have asked me what it sort of, what it felt like. Um, and the way I sort of explain it is picture the worst hangover you've ever had <laughs> and imagine having that constantly, you know? Wow. So that's probably the best way to Someone's going to have a two-dayer and it's just... Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So how, how, so three months with chemo, did you have to have any surgery or was it just... Yes, yeah, so I had the operation. So I did three months of chemotherapy. Um, and then at the end of that, I had to have a big, quite a massive operation. I went for about 10 hours where they Fuck. cut me open from here to here. Um, and they just had to remove, they took all my lymph nodes out in there and all that sort of stuff just to reduce the risk of it all coming back. Yeah. So that was like, I'd sort of, I'd recovered from the chemo mm. um, and started going back to the gym and everything. And then I got hit with, uh, you've got to have the surgery now. Wow. So that was like starting again altogether. How long was yeah. this with the recovery post-surgery? Uh, well, I think I started after six weeks, I was probably back in the gym. It actually, it was quicker than, than I thought. Like a, the scar, the size that it is, you'd probably expect it to, you know, <laughs> be a much longer recovery process. Um, but yeah, about six weeks, but or probably three months back to 100%. So from, yeah. from finding out you had cancer, doing chemo to getting probably back on the Probably about six months. Six months? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So I was probably, I got diagnosed in November. So I probably was off work for three months. And then I came back a bit before the operation, then had the operation, I probably had a week or two off and then came back after that. Jeez, was yeah. that hard? Like, with, did you have a lot of momentum that you were letting go of? To um, we definitely lost, it was probably good timing being over the Christmas period, yep. you know, where things are slower for that time anyway. Um, but yeah, we probably slowed down a little bit over that period. But after I came back, we sort of picked things up pretty quickly. Yeah. Wow. Mate, that's a <laughs> six months then back on the tools. Cause like, I know I'm pulling my hair out if over East a long weekend when there's not, when you're not doing things. Yeah. I could not imagine being stuck in bed or recovering oh, for six months. Mate, it was, it was terrible, I think. And the thing was, it was over summer. So it was 40 degrees. Oh. I'm sitting on the lounge inside with friggin' no hair. Not that there's anything wrong with not having any hair. Um, sweating, feeling like I've got a hangover. And it, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> wow. I'm not very good at sitting still either. So, you know, yeah. three months of it was absolute punishment. That's crazy. Yeah. What's your drive been like now that it's you've come out of a massive event like that? Like, mm. Would you say we were before having... Uh, cancer and mm. will now as two different people like, what's yeah that like? definitely i think before having the cancer i was probably just like any 22 23 year old you know i'd work 
Um, I, I always enjoyed work and we always did well, um, but, you know, you'd go out on the weekends and party and be hungover <laughs> for a few days. Um, so post-cancer, I probably, my, my focus on what I wanted to achieve probably changed instead of partying and doing all that sort of stuff. I shifted more to, all right, I want to sort of establish and set myself up for the future. Hmm. Um, so I was definitely probably more driven, probably more career focused, more family focused. It just changes your perspective on things. I was lucky enough that a couple of months after the cancer um, was when I started going out with my now wife. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So that changed things quite a bit, you know, to have a long-term partner um, who we're now sort of married with and we've just had our first baby. Congrats. Little Edward, thanks mate. So yeah, there was probably definitely, a, I grew up quickly. Yeah. I went from being your typical 22, 23 year old to probably having more <laughs> the mindset of a 40 year old. Yeah, you know? married with a kid yeah, and yeah. surviving a massive yeah, yeah. event where you just. Yeah. Wow. So what's, so tell me, I want to like get a, a much value out of you as I can. What yeah. would you say then is, is the secret to the success you've accomplished? Is it having struggled and gone through a massive event or is it leveraging off the brand of others or is it putting yeah. your head down and doing the work? Or what would you say is? I think it's probably a combination of the three things that you've just mentioned, you know, obviously without the brand and the name that, you know, the company has, um, we obviously wouldn't be where we are. Mm. Um, I think the, the cancer sort of made me more driven, you know, so I was more determined to go out there and win the listings. I guess the formula for, for success is probably a hard one to repu replicate because the brand and the name and Jen's 40 years experience, mm. you know, is, is a key part to the formula. And then obviously you've got, you know, I'm younger, a bit more driven, technological sort of savvy. So I think it's just the combination of the two. Um, and then hard work, you know, um, you know, we've got a few assistants now that sort of work well with us that are out there prospecting and all that sort of stuff, which allows us to focus on, you know, doing the key things. Um, but yeah, I think, Probably the the brand, the name, the family business, you know, mm. sort of is a bit unique. And then just the market share. Once you've got such a high market share, it's easy to sort of build off that, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, massively. Would you say that having the family businesses has helped a lot or do you think it's been hard? Like because having Will Carr and mm. the last name, mm. do you ever feel like um, it was annoying growing up with that or have you embraced it and... Not really. I never either. really. When I was younger, before I got into real estate, I didn't even yeah. think about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. My parents were just real estate agents, and that what they that's what they did. So, um, no, I wouldn't say that it's annoying. It's probably it's been a good thing, if anything, because you know, like a lot of agents, younger agents starting out, have got to make a name for themselves, which can take mm -hmm. quite some time. I think I was quite lucky that you know I skipped that stage and. You know, we already had a brand that, that people knew about. Yeah. Mm. With um, there's a lot of younger audience that listen to this. Mm. What would you say from your side of the fence mm. would be your best advice mm. for people that are coming up in the ranks trying to build the brand? I think probably one of the key things would be to you want to be working firstly with an agency um, that has a good name in the area. Okay. Um, you know, it's a lot easier for, for an agent to get traction if the brand's already known in the area, a bit like Louis Carr. Mm. Uh, but secondly, I think you want to be learning under other successful agents, okay? Um, because I think to get to that 
sort of level, you've got to learn from from the best. Um, you know, it's an industry where experience and you know mentors and all that sort of stuff play a key role in getting to a certain point. So, would you say you've learned a lot from Jen? Yeah. What's yeah. her best? What's her best tool in the toolbox? You reckon? Oh, best tool in the toolbox. I think she just her her best tool in the toolbox is she can talk to anyone and get along with anyone. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing. I think we're probably a little bit different in that, you know, we're genuine in, in how we operate. I mean, you know, a lot of the good agents are obviously, but you know, there's no bullshit or any of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. We always, you know, tell people the truth, what we think their house is worth and we don't mislead anyone. And, you know, in the short term, yes, you might lose a few listings because of it, but in the long run, you know, that's how you build a name that people trust mm. and, and value. In, in West Bennett Hills, is, do you guys sell majority of your stuff at um, private trading, not auction, don't you? Yeah, so we... Why is that the case? Depends on the market. Yeah. Um, you know, a year or two ago when the market was booming, we auctioned everything. Um, I think in 2021, uh, we had 100% clearance rate. Wow. Um, but then as the market sort of shifted auctions probably started to not perform like they were. Yeah. Clearance rates dropped significantly um, and we just weren't getting the results through auction like we were with private treaty. And I think in a slow market, you know, you want to find the buyer that's prepared to pay $200,000 more than your next highest offer, okay? Mm. Now, obviously, you know, if, if that's at an auction, you know, and then you've only got one or two bidders, your highest bidder is not going to pay 200 grand more than, than your underbidder. So mm. I think we just adapt and change based on the market. When you've got a, let's say, for example, I, I bought a property off you yeah. uh, a few mu- a month or two ago mm. in Cherrybrook. Was there, how would you go about selling that property to maximize the amount you get out of a buyer? Like what's the process you'd run? So how would we maximize the value? How, yeah, how um, would you get me to pay more than... As much oh, as possible. I think it's just around getting as many buyers through it as you can and creating that competition. You know, like you came to that open home, there were 45 groups there. Crazy. Um, we had multiple offers. You know, if you wanted to buy that property, you had to pay top dollar for it. Otherwise, mm. you're going to miss out. So I think it's about driving as much competition to the, to the first open home or the first few open homes um, and then going from there. Mm. Yeah. With um with the open homes, what what would you say has given you the best way to get, to get people through the doors at marketing the property mm. styling? Oh, I think a combination of marketing, styling, a database. A database, yeah. So because of because of our market share, mm. you know, we're meeting a significant number of buyers on every Saturday. So before we've marketed any property, we've already got thousands of people looking within that suburb. So I think you combine that with presenting the house to its best, so styling it, whatever needs to be done, and then obviously marketing it out there to everyone to get as many people through as possible. Yeah. So it's funny, in the break, you just mentioned Tom Panos and his cancer story and everything. So the day after I got diagnosed, I still remember it was Melbourne Cup Day 2018 or whatever oh, it God. is. I'm sitting outside with my mum about to get transferred to Royal North Shore and she gets a call from Tom Panos. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Jenny, it's Tom Panos, um, whatever he said. And, and he said, oh, you know, looking for, for speakers for 
uh, Arik, you know, would you be interested? Wow. And Jen sort of said, Tom, I would be, but it's not good timing because blah, blah, blah. So I think that the coincidence was that he'd obviously gone through a cancer diagnosis himself and the day after he coincidentally called my mother. Um, so we sort of, throughout that treatment period and everything, I'd touch base with him a little bit and, you know, he gave me some advice and all that sort of stuff, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Speaking about on the job, what, how do you, what's your, have you changed your work-life approach before and after cancer or even now, like, because mm. you are doing huge numbers, like I'd mm. imagine doing 6.2 million GCI, yeah, working more than a nine to five. Yeah. Is that still the case? What's the situation um, there? I think before the cancer, I would work a lot longer hours. Um, you know, I was single, 23, didn't have much to go home for. Um, but I think the cancer really sort of gave you a bit of perspective to go, all right, well, what am I doing this for? What am I working for? Mm. Um, so I think now I've definitely got a much better work-life balance, particularly now having a son and a, and a wife that you've got to get home to. Um, and I think that's important, you know. There's no good working seven days a week, 24-7, if you're not going to take time off to enjoy, mm. you know, your family and then and things that you sort of do enjoy. So, yeah, I, I definitely would say that, you know, I always like to have Sundays off at home with the family um, and try to not get home too late during the weeks. And I think it's really important as well if you can take holidays as frequently as, as possible because I think they recharge you and you come back a little bit more clear-minded and, and focused and driven to sort of, you know, get back into it. So, yeah, I think a work-life balance from what I've been through is is certainly important and it certainly gave you perspective on mm. what is important. So, What is a typical holiday now that you do have a kid? And, yeah. And, yeah, have you booked anything in the park um, oh, We just over Easter, we went up to Avoca oh, no. for the weekend, so just getting away, not too far from Sydney. Um, beach, you know, we love going up to you know, Avoca or down to Mollymook or whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, probably, yeah, just not too, not too far away. You don't want to have to get on a plane and <laughs> pack up everything with a kid. It's a lot yeah. more difficult. So, What about hobbies? Because a lot of our guests will either have we're, – we're, Kevin and myself are pretty big on having hobbies to yeah. – similar like with the holidays that you mm. can go to. It'll help to reset and you yep. can regain perspective. Do you have anything like hobbies to help yeah. reset you? Or? Um, so I try to play golf once a week. Oh, yeah. yeah. I find golf's really good to... What's your best club? Oh. <laughs> At the moment, not, not nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nah. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's a good release from work, you know, four hours, put the phone on, do not disturb, away you go. See, I think hobbies are... Which course are you at, Castle Hill? I remember at Castle Hill. Yeah, yeah. Good course? Yeah, no, really good. Yeah, yeah, really enjoy it. Do you play golf or? Oh, mate, just at the driving range. <laughs> I've been, this, the start of this year, I went maybe five times. Right. Just every Saturday morning before work would bounce around. Right. But, mate, I'm same as you. Are you going to join up somewhere? Or? I don't know. Maybe. I, yeah. I, I would consider it, but yeah, just yeah. then I'd have to. My challenge is I'd want to get good at it and yeah, then I'd. Yeah. Take up too much of my time. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be, it's, I like how golf social where you can go with a group of three or four and tee off and yeah, have yeah. a yarn and go for a walk. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing that I enjoy about yeah. it. You know, get out there with your mates and amongst nature and relax a little bit. Yeah, that's right. the phone going off all the time. 
What about the, in terms of routine? Like, what's your do you, do you structure your work and your life with like weekly, daily, monthly? Mm. How's what's your routine? Um, I probably used to have a little bit more of a routine before we had the baby. <laughs> Any sort of routine goes out the door because your routine is based around them when they wake up, when they want to eat, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think always though, you know, getting up early and starting mm. the day right. And what about during the normal normal day? Not golf. What time are you waking up usually? Oh, probably about six, six, six thirty. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. What about you? Me at the moment, five thirty. Yeah. I've been trying to get to the. I've just signed a virgin. Yeah. So this morning was five. I had a five forty class there this morning. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I get to the gym around five thirty six o'clock, I think yeah. that's my ideal, and yeah. then be finished by seven, and yeah. then I've got seven to eight to just take my time, get ready, have good yeah. breakfast work on my phone, yeah. make some calls that energize me. Yeah, I find yeah. that that's the best time. If I get that hour just flow, then yeah, yeah. the rest of my day is a breeze. Yeah. But if I'm like rushing or wake up late, don't train, I find yeah. it's, you're behind the eight ball. What time do you go to bed normally? For me, good question. Um, I try and be in bed around nine no. and then meditate or just hang out and yeah. Try and sleep by 10 o'clock, but nine, yeah. nine's probably the sweet yeah. spot. Yeah. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. We're around 9, 30, 10. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually the case, isn't it? 9, yeah. 30, 10. Yeah. It's hard to fall. I, if I could fall asleep sooner, I would, but yeah. I struggle too. Too much going on. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah, I've, I've struggled. Like, I think waking up early's been good, like yeah. getting out of the way, but everyone's got their own routine. It's interesting. Like, some yeah. people you'll speak to super early, some people wake up late. Yeah. Some people like Kevin will wake up whenever they can. <laughs> nah, it's, yeah. What time do you get up, Kevin? Uh, this morning, uh, about 8. 8. <laughs> <Pretty much. Sweet laughs> Last week, very between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. Oh. Yeah. But we've been, yeah. um, we've been doing the sauna a lot now, like Kevin and myself. Like We'll split up the day with yeah. the sauna. Or he does the middle of the day, but I do the end of the day. Yeah. It's like I'll train this morning and then I'll go to the sauna and the art, like, six yeah. o'clock that resets me then i'll do the last bit of work at the gym yeah on my phone or get the laptop out and just, yeah. yeah but what um what would you say be from what you've gone through and the success you've achieved now what's the best piece of advice life advice you can mm. give to someone i mean there's a lot of people that go to work and don't enjoy what they do mm. so i think it's finding a career that you enjoy and that you have a passion for because then you'll enjoy life a lot more like i love real estate you know i wake up in the mornings and i'm excited for what the day brings um so i think that's really important find your passion and and that will make life a lot more enjoyable yeah find your passion now we go both sides of the fence podcast with will carr thank you so much